In today's podcast, I sat down with a good family friend, Brian Winkler, who specializes in outpatient orthopedic physical therapy. He's had over 35 years of experience, and I really enjoyed talking to him today, and I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. So you're obviously a physical therapist. Um, can you take me through kind of what your journey was to get to like where you are now? Uh, wow, it's been a long journey, 37 years. That's a long <laughs> haul. So uh, the field has changed a lot in 37 years. Uh, when I first came out of, of PT school, you could graduate with a bachelor of science degree, four-year degree. Uh, then in the 1990s, it changed to a master's. And uh, now it's a doctorate degree, so you know, it's minimum seven years. So I, I was very fortunate to be able to get in and out and have my license in hand by the time I was uh, 22 years old. Wow. So yeah, so I've been practicing a long time for, for a guy as young as me, uh, 37 years. So fig- yeah. figure the math out. So uh, <laughs> there you go. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's been crazy how the, uh, the uh, you know, degrees and credentials and things have changed over the years. And, you know, I didn't realize how much schooling it was when I first got into it, but it is definitely a lot more schooling than I anticipated. Yeah. And, you know, some of it, I think back and I go, a lot of it's necessary. Right. And then a lot of it is you get done with, with school, you pass your board exams and you still don't know anything because you haven't had hands-on experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, with a field like this that is, is so humanistic and, and you need to, you know, spend some time in the seat or standing next to patients or with your hands on patients, you, you just don't know very much for uh, two, three, four, five years. And then even then you don't know anything. And right this far in I still don't have a grasp on a lot of stuff and the field is so <laughs> enormous that you know my little world of orthopedics and sports medicine and workers compensation uh, uh, rehabilitation that I do as an outpatient physical therapist is just a dot compared to what the field covers. Right um, did you have any hands-on work while you were in school like did you have an internship or anything like that? There were four separate internships that I had. Uh, one was as a, a junior uh, for a summer. It was, uh, I think, an eight-week internship. Uh, and then um, there was another short one for six weeks as a senior. And then the second, the entire second semester of senior year was broken into two uh, eight-week internships. Okay. And they try to make those uh, a, a variable experience for you with some with outpatient clinics, some with inpatient clinics, maybe some in a rehab facility. Mm-hmm. So they, they give you a broad, a broad view of uh, different types of patients that you might see in your careers. Okay. Um, do you have any advice for someone like me pursuing uh, physical therapy or, you know, something like that? I, pro- I probably have a lot of advice for you. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so much more difficult now to get into the programs because the, the numbers that are accepted are so small. Um, so obviously a very competitive field. You need to have a certain grade point average. You need to be, you know, at above uh, for the various uh, application processes, depending upon where you're going to apply. And then obviously your resume is, is pretty important. What have you done? Um, have you volunteered some time with um, you know, different groups of, you know, if you work with children, if you work for old, old people, do you have some job experience where you've been in a PT clinic? Um, and then also understanding, uh, you know, how the field is going to be changing over time as well. Um, we're, we're, we've been given more and more autonomy uh, as far as 
direct access to patients where patients don't necessarily have to go to their physicians first in order to see a physical therapist. So um, you need to understand that, you know, as, as you gain more autonomy, there's, there's much more uh, exposure to liability and things like that as well. So uh, know, know your laws, know your, uh, um, your responsibilities as a, as a practitioner. And, uh, you know, it, it's good to probably know that going into interviews uh, so mm -hmm. that you can, you know, at least voice to the people that are going to be doing the in-face interviews that you're aware of how the field is expanding and where it's generally wanting to go in the future. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, with that, do you think that the, that you can think of the hardest part of your career path with anything? The hardest part, it's happened probably twice over, over a long career. And that is when you realize that what you've been doing with your patients for so many years, because they told you, oh, this is how you get this patient better for this condition. And what you were doing with them was not necessarily the best thing for them. Um, you, need to, you need to really read the research. You need to stay up on the research studies that are out there and be open to uh, being a scientist. You have to literally follow the numbers, look at the statistical analysis, look at the good research, um, find high quality research and believe in it, even if it doesn't fit with the paradigms that you've been practicing in the past. Um, great example, uh, years ago, um, I, I started making orthotics. I loved working with feet. And we used to put the foot in this very particular position to cast people for orthotics. And the reason was we thought that when the foot hit the ground, it made the subtalar joint move a particular way. And then, then that would translate forces up to the knee and translate forces up to the hip and translate forces up to the back. And so we did this for you know, 30, 40, 50 years. And that was based on this guy. I think his name was Merton Root. He was the father of uh, podiatry. And that was his um, thought process. And it, it made a lot of sense when you, when you look at it um, from a physiology standpoint that that's how orthotics were supposed to work. And that's how orthotics helped with ankle pain or knee pain or hip pain or back pain. Um, it turns out that his research was based on a, uh, a research study with an N of two. <laughs> His wow. whole was observation over two people. And wow. so that's how his, that's how the podiatry field got started back, I believe in the late 50s, early 60s. And that's what everybody believed happened for so many years until people started looking at, you know, better ways of doing research on orthotics. And, and, and what we realize now is, is the best that we can understand is it's not really a, a bottom up thing where you put something in the foot and it makes your ankle move and then your knee move and then your hip move. And it's actually um, your brain processes the information and sends information down the chain and that's how it changes things. So it's a top down thing. So, so that's a good example. And that's happened with 20 or 30 different conditions over the years that, that I'm treating, you know, why do we treat certain things some ways and other things other ways? And uh, the best case scenarios are you, you follow the best research and you do the best things for your patients that can, sometimes that's going to go against what you learned and you need to be adaptive. And, and that's probably the most challenging thing is, is being an adaptive person as you've, you know, still quote unquote got people better over the years doing it the way you thought was the best. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. That would, that would be hard to uh, realize you've been doing something the uh, incorrect yeah, way or maybe, something maybe that's not, not wrong, healthy. But not the best, the best possible way of doing it. Right. And it's hard because, you know, information is always changing. And I think that we're seeing that right now with COVID-19 going on and we're constantly getting new data and new statistics. And so it's not that we're 
making wrong decisions. It's just that we're with all this new information, we're constantly having to change what we're doing with procedures. And, and trying, trying to make the best decisions you can with the information you have. Yeah. And making sure that it's the best information, the most up-to-date information, the most valid research. And it's really hard wading through those cesspools at times to get to that, that information. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. So another question. Do you have any moment that sticks out in your career that you would say, you like, this is why I enjoy doing what I do? Oh, about a thousand but yeah yeah there's always the and it's always a reward from uh the patients it's always something where you've really helped somebody and one of my favorite ones was i, I treated a, a gentleman who uh hurt his back he was about 50 years old kind of pudgy gray hair not in very good shape and he worked at a really difficult job for a for a company that um a well-known company that uh sells tires and these guys come running out to your car and, you know, they get your car in and they pull tires off and pull nails out. And, and, and so this guy had a pretty rough job and you're lifting 50, 60 pounds constantly. And he tweaked his back. So he came in and we got him exercise and I taught him some exercises. We did some body mechanics training. And, and after about three or four weeks of therapy, he was feeling a lot better. And so the amazing thing about him was he had never really exercised before. He'd never been to the gym and we stuck him in the gym and I started doing a lot of work simulation with him and got him sweaty, got him hot, taught him how to lift. And he said something like, well, you know, I'm feeling so much better. Should I join a gym? And I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. Join a gym. Keep it going, man. Keep working on your body. You know, and you've done great in four weeks. Keep going. Six months, eight months passes and my clerical assistant comes back and gets me one day and she goes, Hey, Brian, there's a guy up front that wants to talk to you. So I walk up front and there's this just absolute stud with gray hair and his shoulders were, uh, I, I can't, I got to put my phone down. His shoulders were about this wide and his waist was about this wide. And he was an absolute just beast. And I didn't recognize him. And I'm wow. like, can I help you? And he goes, you don't recognize me, do you? And I go, no. And he goes, I'm so-and-so. And I'm like, Oh, I remember your name. And he goes, you worked on me about a year ago and I had a back injury. I still work for the same company. He goes, but I've been going to the gym. I've lost 35 pounds. And uh, he goes, I feel better than I ever have in my life. I just want to thank you. It's because of you that I, I you know, made my life better. And I was like, <sighs> so those are the good ones. That's amazing. That's, that's really awesome to hear. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's gotta be really rewarding. Yeah. Super. Um, and then my last question, uh, is there anything that uh, you would say most people do not know about this profession? Like anything that sticks out for you? You know, it's funny. I had a guy this morning who, um, a new patient, came in. He had, uh, he's 60-ish years old. So he's got a pretty good uh, history of, you know, aches and pains and bumps and bruises in his life. And he had gone through uh, therapy. You know, sorry, let me, let me go backward, he had gone through a back injury years ago and herniated a disc in his back and um, had never gone through therapy before. He ended up having a series of four epidural injections and fighting his back pain for about four years. And so today I'm actually treating him for his hip. And he comes in and I started working on his hip a little bit. And I said, well, you know, let me, let me check out your back too. And because a lot of times hip pain will come from the back. And I started working on his back a little bit. And 
he was kind of shocked. He goes, well, nobody's ever worked on my back before. That felt really great. And he stands <laughs> up. And so he comes in for his hip and he says, my, wait, my back hasn't felt this good. I don't understand this. It doesn't make any sense to me. So, you know, this guy had gone through, almost had surgery, had gone through four epidural shots, but never had physical therapy, had no idea what physical therapists do. And he's coming in for his first therapy visit today. And hopefully I cured a couple of problems in one visit. And, and he just thinks I'm, I'm Superman now. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah, people just don't know what physical therapy is. And even in my little world, like I said, I just do one little spec, just some orthopedic physical therapy, you know, necks, backs, hips, shoulders, knees, ankles, feet. And, right. and, and that's just a small part of the physical therapy. You've got, you know, pediatric physical therapists, which are amazing, neurological physical therapists. I, don't, I can't come close to doing that kind of stuff. You've got inpatient physical therapists that work with people in acute care settings that do stuff that I don't know about. So um, a lot of people don't know what physical therapy is, and including me, because I have one little speck of the world that uh, of physical therapy that I work in my little realm. And, and there's a big, a big world of physical therapy out there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for talking with me. I, I really enjoyed listening to uh, what you have to say. My pleasure, Jane. Good to talk to you too. <laughs> All Cheers. right. I hope you have a good one. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.